0: Hey, this is Music in the Bottle Podcast, and this episode is in partnership with the Michigan Wine Collaborative. The collaborative is the voice of the Michigan wine industry. Their goal is to enhance the sustainability and profitability of the Michigan wine industry by supporting wineries, growers, and other businesses and individuals connected to the wine industry today and for future generations. Want to be part of what's happening here in Michigan? Head to www.MichiganWineCollaborative.com to learn more, join, and donate. All right, back to the show. back and we're stoked to talk with another Michigan winery that took home some hardware at the Michigan's first annual Governor's Cup competition. Uh, Next up, I mean, we got Michigan's most awarded winery and Michigan's Governor's Cup actual winner. Uh, So St. Julian Winery and Vice President of Winemaking, Nancy Oxley, welcome to Music in the Bottle podcast. How are you doing?
1: Good, thanks for having me. Excited to talk to you guys tonight.
0: Yeah, we're happy to have you too. Uh, So... Before we get started in talking about some of the winning wines, um, let's let's talk about Nancy a little bit. So you've been in the industry for quite some time. This is your 23rd Harvest, 22nd?
1: Harvest 22. Harvest. So I've been with for 21 years, and this is Harvest 22 at them.
0: All right. I love it. Well, yeah, let's just talk a little bit about your journey in, into and in the industry and how it's kind of been over the last 22 years. <laughs> sure.
1: <laughs> So, uh, in college, I was a food science major, uh, in undergrad at Purdue University, and Purdue hosts the Indy International Wine Competition, and at that time, it was one of the top three largest in the United States, and my professor at the time, Dr. Richard Vine, which is actually his real name, (laughs) uh, he was a wine buyer for American Airlines, but also a professor at Purdue that taught all things wine-related. And so okay. I helped with the competition, got bit by the wine bug, went out to California, did an internship in Sonoma, and he said, you're, you're going to love it or you're going to hate it, working those long hours, and you'll figure out whether you want to be in production or maybe on the other side of the wine industry, and I loved every minute of it. And once I was done out there, I went back to Purdue, I graduated, and happened to send my resume to St. Julian to Appease my parents that I was actually looking for a job, and, and um, what my background was at the time kind of was a missing puzzle piece for the company, and I've been with the company ever since. So I've kind of grown up with the company, started right out of college, and worked my way up through the ranks. And um, now running Harvest was one of the best teams I could ever imagine uh, behind me, and I couldn't do what I do without all of them. It's definitely a team effort. So. Yeah. I love that. Yes, we're so producing, we're producing all kinds of crazy wines there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so talking on the the team, like how big is the St. Julian like production team? Or we're how actually does...
1: small for what we do. We have six people in our cellar. Uh, we have uh, myself as one of the winemakers. Kyle Tatsky is our winemaker. And then we just recently promoted Kayla to uh, assistant winemaker. And she okay. also runs all of our lab analysis. And then we have... Five people in our bottling line, two guys in maintenance, and three guys in our warehouse. And so just shy of 20 people as our entire production team. So crushing over 4,000 tons of grapes with Sheesh. that few people. Um, we, get, we get to work miracles every day at the winery.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so another thing, I mean, obviously you've been with St. Julian for pretty much quite some time. Let's just say that. But also, uh, you are the first female winemaker in the state, correct?
1: Yeah, kind of crazy. <laughs> so. Coming from India, <laughs> there were several several females in the industry as well as a 100% female-owned winery at the time when I was a college student. And um, when I first started at St. Julian, it was unbeknownst to me that I guess I was blazing a trail in the sense of, of being a female in Michigan, but... Um, there's still uh, just a handful of us that are in the industry in top positions and are head winemakers running the harvest season for wineries. And we've had some women that have come and gone, uh, but it seems like every year there are new ladies that uh, decide to uh, get their elbows dirty. And um, <laughs> we we all are, are – <laughs> we can hang and roll with the punches that the, the guys are dealing out. But um, – you know it's an amazing industry to work in and all of us, I think, are supportive whether we're guys or gals. I mean, the wine industry is not like any other industry that anybody's ever worked in. We're all very supportive of each other. We're always there to lend a helping hand and um, that's the one thing I love about it.
0: Yeah, I uh, commend you. I got the chance to work Harvest in California Heights Cellar and a um, uh, female winemaker there as well and just... Um, kind of like a similar story like obviously you started you know at the you know the ground roots or as they say cellar at so to say um and then (laughs) you just make your way to where you are now so so just to see that you know coming from females and just the you you know the strength that you guys have to do what you do and honestly I will say I did harvest and I don't plan on doing another one (laughs) Um, again I I definitely did not like getting my nails dirty. I definitely did not like the long hours like that. But um, it was great to obviously see that part of the business. You get to know like what goes into the bottle that, you know, as a consumer that we get to enjoy. And then as a front of the house person or more so hospitality person, like I feel like I get to tell the story a little bit more in depth than someone that hadn't experienced Harvest. So it was a great experience, but definitely uh, kudos. Kudos to you. Kudos to all the female <laughs> winemakers. Kudos to all the winemakers. Kudos to all the production staff and teams because you guys do some some hard ass work. So kudos <laughs> to you guys. My,
1: my crew worked their butts off. It's uh, it's been a minute since I've been that cellar at Dragon hoses every day, but <laughs> I've definitely been there. And, you and, definitely uh, put the
0: time in though. You, you know you <laughs> yep. put the time in, so now you're you know you're living. You're living the I luxury, so to it. say. I'm like, let me
1: do it. I haven't done it in a minute. I want to do
0: that. And they're like, no, 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 we got it. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so, yes, uh, we're here with the shout-out to the Michigan Wine Collaborative. Shout-out to Emily, uh, who does so much for the industry, for the state of Michigan, for getting our wines put on notice and put on the map. Um But the wines that we have in front of us uh, are winners of the Michigan Governor's Cup. Uh, You guys are no stranger to winning awards. Uh, But I'm just going to run through the wines that kind of won best of class. And uh, literally over half of the best of class wines are are St. Julian's. So that just kind of speaks to the production and the commitment that you guys put into the wines. But... Uh, so best rosé, we have the non-vintage BFF dry rosé. Uh, we also have the best specialty wine, which is the non-vintage sweet Nancy sparkling peach. Um, best hybrid red, the 2020 Braganini Estate Reserve Petite Pearl. Uh, excited to hear just about this hybrid grape in general. Um, and then we also have the non-vintage best fortified, the uh, Solera Cream Sherry. And then Bespinifera Red, the 2020 Bragnini Estate Reserve Cabernet Franc. So currently in my glass, right now I have the Dry Rosé. Let's talk a little bit about that one.
1: Yeah, Dry Rosé. So we uh, make rosé in several different styles at St. Julian. We do a traditional bring the grapes in early where they want themselves to be a, a little more uh, rosé friendly, um, mm-hmm. which is what CFF is made from. Uh, we often do saunier or free run um, that we pulled juice out of bread. So this was specifically harvested early from Lemberger Black okay. Brunkish and, and pressed out and it has a splash of front snack rosé in it as well. Uh, so we used to do a Bragganini Reserve La Franchise Rosé, and Blau, as we shorten it up at the winery, is, is not the easiest name to pronounce for <laughs> the consumer. Not and at all. as fun as our Bragginini Reserve wines can be, say, they tend to be a little bit more serious in the sense for the more serious wine consumer, and mm-hmm. not all wines have to be that way. And so having it be a little bit more difficult to say and um just being a dry rose which is fun to drink in the summer we decided to change up the label a little bit and so the bff so blau franc so blau franc uh and a little front snack in there so um bff and it's everybody's bff during the summertime drinking rose so I love it's just it. a little fun that we like to have fun with and our customers are absolutely loving it so this wine we actually specifically made for our wine club members and um, oftentimes our dry wine club members only get those bragging reserves. your reserve. So when they get something that's yeah. one of those non-reserve labels, they, they love having fun with it.
0: So. No, that's cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I saw the label and I was like BFF. So like, I know it, like, we all know what that means. Right. And then, so, <laughs> yeah. so the fun and play on words with it, like having that same meaning, but uh, but also, um, meaning the grape var- yeah, varieties that are used in the wine. So cool. Yeah. Um, like I said, this is a, like me definitely a very enjoyable rosé still very fruit forward like I said you like in I think we run into this a lot in the industry where people um, you know are coming from a sweeter palate and are looking to potentially or it's my goal that you know make sure they know what else is out there whether that's traditional sweet wines done with intention or whether it's this you know this dry rosé that's you know, almost bone dry, but you're tasting a a lot of that fruit. So you're getting still some of those fruity notes. So I think this is a fun kind of like transition from someone that's thinking that they're into sweet wines, but maybe they really just like fruit forward things. So this is awesome. I can see why it won.
1: There's a ton of fruit behind it and it it has a tinge of residual, but it's still considered a dry wine. Uh, But we kind of soften that acid out, that acid backbone. So it's not quite so austere and, um, sometimes when wines are a little too acidic I call it gut rot that it's not enjoyable especially in a hot summer day after you have a glass and by balancing that out a little bit I think that's we like to call it the porch pounder at the winery it's so easy to drink yeah. it oh, so. Yeah,
0: super easy to drink um, touching on just uh, again we have this amazing lineup of wines here um, but again we we live in a place where I guess Michigan has never really gotten the perception of taking wine serious. Obviously, we have some serious wines here. They've won serious awards. Um, But I guess, what is your perception of, like, the industry and where do you see, like, Michigan over the next few years? Or how how have you seen the progression, like, over your time in the industry?
1: When I started in the industry 20 years ago, um, we are so much different than where we are today. Uh, I think Michigan, in general, is a young industry, if you compare it to California, and even California, if you're like comparing California to the old world, mm-hmm. the United States, in general, our wine industry is young, but for, and and I don't want to misconstrue that, I mean, they've been making wine, people have been making wine for hundreds of years here in the United States, but In our region, in southwest Michigan especially, most of the wine was being made from Concords and Mm Niagara's. And granted, we at St. Julian still make wine from Concords and Niagara's. That's a big part of our history. So we continue to embrace that. But our growers are now growing vinifera like they should. I think back in the early 90s, some of our, our growers, not just at St. Julian, but growers in Michigan in general, didn't know how to grow some of these varietals in our climate, nor were they put on the right sites. And over time, growers with wineries help have dialed that in tremendously. And so now we're putting the best of vinifera grape varietals on the best possible sites. And even with hybrids, I mean, hybrids have come a long way as, as well. I mean, I, I remember trying the dolls and Save Alls when I first started at St. Julian and from i mean they were they were they were good wines back then but uh, what people are doing and winemakers are doing in our state to turn hybrid varietals into what they are today is even night and day and that has to do with technology experience mm-hmm. um just from a growing aspect but from a winery aspect too and uh, a lot of our growers we've been working with for over 20 plus years from multiple generations and every year I think we all get better at what we're doing and we're trying to pass that information down to the next generation of growers as well as winemakers. And every single year, um, we're just getting better and better and better. And I think we're making wines on a world-class stage now. I mean, you can put an Michigan wine um, on um, a competition scene or up against wines from New York, Washington, Oregon, California, and we can definitely hold our own. And it's just, you know, we're keep waiting. And I think the same thing happened to Oregon and New York, even uh, in Washington. Like everybody was talking about California wines. Now people are talking about West Coast in general. And New York's finally making a name for itself. And and not that that's new to us in the wine world, but it's newer to the consumer. And, you know, Michigan's right there. We're on the brink of that. And it's just a matter of time before the consumer knows our, our gifts are secret in a sense that we're making these amazing wines
0: yeah it's uh i'm new to the industry as of 2020 uh, when we started this podcast really and uh to my knowledge like and i knew my palate was just more so like a sweeter wine palate so if i were to drink something it was going to be you know this the the sweeter riesling or the moscato um like even when i went up north to traverse city which i think you know this is circa 2018 that I probably went up there for the first time trying wines. And, uh, for the most part, even some of the menus up there were still, I mean, predominantly, you know, had some sweeter things. There were some drier things of course, but, uh, I mean, my time working at Modales and just being in the industry, it's just kind of amazing to see, uh, the progression even in these last three years. Um, and like I said trying some of these wines and trying wines from up north or even you know on this side of the state the southwest side it it, it really is just a matter of time before I think everyone is just like wow that that Riesling tastes like it's from Mosul it tastes like it's yeah. you know from Alsace it tastes that Chardonnay really resembles Macon or you know just things like that so it is really amazing to see and I'm happy to be a part of it and i mean honestly happy to showcase again <laughs> some of these wines here um let's um yeah
1: the, at, the wines that it won for a saint julian Art ones that are in distribution so most customers won't see them unless that they're part of our wine club or if they come to the winery and come taste with us so okay yeah so and-
0: yeah so like this reserve line like you guys just do this for a club or it's just available in the tasting room it, it doesn't because obviously as a consumer and i think um we see saint julian on the shelves but obviously it's not the reserve stuff it's uh <laughs> a little bit of everything else but not yeah, but not the when special ones
1: we uh, most people associate us with sweeter wines because that's what we have in distribution and that's what's out in the marketplace uh, and there there are a lot of people that are drinking sweet wines, and that's why we continue to make them. Yeah. People have a tendency to talk dry but uh, drink sweet. But we are in the Midwest, and people grew up on Kool-Aid and grape mm-hmm. jelly and um, pop and all of that stuff. So it. You know, if, if people weren't purchasing those wines, we sure in heck wouldn't be making them, but they are.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: think everybody transitions from that sweet to dry over time. I mean, I see when I started drinking wine, uh, I remember the first time I drank dry red wine and I couldn't believe people would ever drink it. That was the worst <laughs> thing I could ever put in my mouth. Well, um, you don't have an appreciation for something like that unless you learn. And over time, you do. And, you know, at St. Julian, we do the biggest of the big of these big batch distribution wines but we will bottle one barrel of cabernet sauvignon for our wine summer mothers if that's something that we see fit for them and so we can do we can do the big hustle but we can also do these small artisanal uh really kind on of um small back wines that we put our heart and soul into and that's what we showcased at the governor's cup so we're excited nice. to be able to share them with you guys and and we'd like to talk about them so that's why we don't put them in distribution plus we don't have enough so our wine right members <laughs> she need to double them up before we would ever be able to get them out to distribution
0: right um staying on the sweet train a little bit uh let's let's talk a, a little bit about the wine that has your name on the label <laughs> this, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. sweet nancy sparkling peach tell us a little bit about the story behind that
1: yeah, so uh, at the time when I became head winemaker, um, I was getting married, became head winemaker, and graduated from grad school, and um, the owner at the time, Dave Bragginini, the late Dave Braganini, uh, wanted to embrace the fact that I was the uh, first female winemaker in Michigan, and he kept saying, let's make a wine and call it Sweet Nancy, and I said, what are you talking about? I make all the wines at St. Julian. He was like, no, let's make a Sweet Nancy wine. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I kind of brushed it off for about six months. And he was like, we're making a wine and we're calling it Sweet Nancy and you need to figure it out like <laughs> by the end of the month. I'm like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> and I love working with Traminette, um, being an Italian wine company, Michigan Roots, Italian, or I'm sorry, Italian Roots, Michigan Soil. Um, Traminette is very reminiscent of Muscat to me. Mm-hmm. And that's what Assi Spamanti is made out of. And growing up as a kid. My parents weren't really big wine drinkers, but occasionally on the holiday, my sister and I would get, you know, a splash of bubbly with Sprite so we could celebrate, mostly Sprite. <laughs> um, and, uh, um, you know, it's just one of those things, you know, growing up, I always found my parents having that on the holidays as a celebration. And we didn't have a sparkling wine that was sweeter in style, like that in our portfolio at the time. So it just made okay. sense to do that and, you know, sweet, bubbly, and fun. And then... Um, all the fruit flavors kind of came to follow. So we have the original Sweet Nancy, which is Sparkling Tremonat, and then we have Sparkling Peach. Um, occasionally we'll have Cran Apple, we'll have okay. Cranberry, Blueberry, Raspberry, Cherry. Um, we've done all kinds of flavors of Sweet Nancy, but Sweet Nancy Peach is one of the ones that has stuck around and seems to be a fan favorite.
0: So. Nice. Uh, we're going to move. I'm, I'm just super curious about, obviously, all of these wines, and I love hearing your input on them. Um, obviously being a part of the process but i want to jump to i just cracked open the petite pearl um, okay. <laughs> 2020 uh Bragginini reserve tell me why petite pearl like what did you guys find in that grape that was just like hey like let's 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 do this <laughs>
1: uh so that was a bit of day bragnini driven as well as Ron Nix, who was the grower of it. Um, Ron was a huge Cabernet Franc grower for us for many, many years, and he had a plot um, next to Cab Franc that he wanted to plant something different, and he did a lot of research on the Petite Pearl Varietal, and it's a Minnesota hybrid varietal, so it can withstand temperatures down to negative 30 degrees and with some of the polar vortexes that have kind of wreaked havoc on the Michigan fruit industry, it made sense for us to try something new and different. And we love working with new varietals at St. Julian. We actually have 54 varietals currently that we work with. and (laughs) We're a little crazy, we know. But (laughs) uh, Petite Pearl is one of those. And in the vineyard, it looks a lot like Foch. Uh, They have really small, tight, buried clusters that are on a top um, wire, top cordon. Um, And they're early, so I was actually sampling them today. We'll probably harvest them next week. And it makes a beautiful wine, and it has so much acid behind it. It depends on the vintage. So 2020, the year, it was so darn hot, we didn't have any rain. And so Mm. the acid kind of fell out of it more so than a cooler year. And so we make Petite Pearl. We've made it in rosé. We've made it a a bone dry that we barrel age Uh, Petite Pearl. We've actually blended it with Marquette. I was talking with a wine club member today that they love it. But this particular style, we do uh, a semi-sweet Petite Pearl. And that's because of the acid in that particular vintage. And with a little bit of residual sugar behind it. And balances it out quite nicely. And it's uh, a reserve wine that we can offer to our sweet, sweeter wine club members that still sees a little bit of barrel age to it, but we do an arrested fermentation. So the sweetness in there is uh, natural of what the grape produces in the vineyard. And um, it's overall just, uh, you know, an easy drinking red wine, um, not a whole heck of a lot of tannin to it.
0: Yeah, uh, but no, that's
1: the tendency of hybrids that they don't really have a lot of tannin in. Um, her structure, like some
0: vinifera can have. So yeah, yeah. So you've like obviously played around with this a, a little bit. You've done the bone dry. Obviously, this is more of the medium, semi-sweet. Um, I think, like I said, I have a glass of it right now. I have never had petite pearl, to my knowledge, at least I don't remember unless it was <laughs> blended into something. But it's just kind of like obviously cool to see the versatility. Like obviously, so does that depend on vintage like whether you guys are going to go the sweeter route or the bone dry route and barrel age it is is that all is that all dependent on like how the grapes come in
1: yeah it depends on how the grapes come in the vintage sometimes we'll do two different pickings depending on what the final destination will be so we know we're gonna um barrel aged them we want to make sure some of the acid drops out of it that will actually go through a malolactic fermentation um this one um we know we're going to have it be a little bit you know sweet residual to it so we handle it a little bit different in the Mm -hmm. winery uh, to make sure that we capture that style but it's a perfect versatile wine you know if, if to chill excuse me to put a little bit of a chill to it especially in the hot summer days that we had Um, But it is really food friendly. I mean, if you're having any sort of like spicy uh, vodka sauce, um, you know, with penne or, I don't know, there's all kinds of spicy red dishes that you can eat. It is a a fun, food friendly wine.
0: Yeah, it is super fun. Super fun. Thank you. I mean, thank you again for sending the wines. Um, We look forward to enjoying these throughout the rest of the the podcast, (laughs) throughout the rest of the week whatever's left and to see how things hold up even days later um moving on to one that i was super excited to open um again uh you know when you see saint julian wines you see the you know the sweeter stuff in the market are at my meyer at my kroger or family fair um but again for the serious wine drinker you do have cabernet franc as well and some of these Nifera varieties um let's talk about let's talk a little bit about the cabernet franc
1: yeah the, the governor cup winner <laughs> <laughs> uh, um cabernet franc is so versatile in michigan but i think it's a varietal that we do really well throughout the state um i know at some point there was some discussion about you know if we have a state grape maybe this should be one and i know riesling pops up and all kinds of different things too but we grow it down in Southwest, and I know they grow a bunch of it up in Northwest. And uh, from this vintage, it, it just all came together so nicely. Um, we age it in French oak barrels about, oh, I want to say about 40% new oak. So okay. there's definitely some structure and wood mm-hmm. behind it, but it doesn't overpower the actual fruit. You can taste that cabernet front grape. Yeah um super ripe that vintage um one of the ripest vintages that we've ever had so you get some really nice lushness on the palate and um but yet you know it has some guts to it as well
0: yeah i i honestly say the same thing you mentioned how you know what is the michigan grape or like what grows well like i always tell people um i think cabernet franc is just the grape you know it's obviously not as um like climates like needy as it's uh, child grape <laughs> caps <off>. Uh <laughs> So it just works well, like here, like in the Midwest, obviously Virginia is doing Cabernet Franc, New York's doing great Cabernet Franc. I, I just think it's a grape that like thrives, like, you know, like it, it gets to the ripeness levels here in the state, which makes it, like I said, you know, like if Riesling is the king white grape or queen white grape and Cabernet Franc is the king red grape. Um, it's, I tell people that all the time too. I'm like, I think if you're looking for Michigan reds, you should try Cabernet Franc because I think there's people all across the state that are growing great Cabernet Franc. And this one I agree. Uh, is this no
1: one. <laughs> I have a few other favorites as well, but. <laughs> yeah, the Cab uh, Cabernet Franc is fun. Cab, Cab, Cabernet Franc does really well. And even, even in some of the cooler years where you get a little bit of that green bell pepper, mm-hmm. um, you know, Sometimes you you get little tinges or hints of that. I think sometimes here, especially in a cool climate, I don't want to say it's expected, but it's a little more um, accepted in a sense. I mean, I wouldn't want to drink a Cabernet Sauvignon that tasted like bell pepper, but with Cab Franc, it almost adds to the complexity of the wine in cooler vintages.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. So I got, um, again, since we're here with the Michigan Governor's Cup wines, um it's in its first year. I mean, I again work from Alice doing the marketing. So when we got the results back from, you know, our Sauvignon Blanc and some of the other wines we submitted, um it was just like, "Oh, wow. That was cool. Best of class, really?" All right, we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> um but obviously this this competition is in its first year. Um I think it, you know, got a late push of like, "All right, let's promote these wines, um, but I think it's just going to get better, like, with years to come, but has, I guess, have, have you noticed, um, I guess, any, like, initial boost, or have you, like, heard around the tasting room, or are people asking about these wines, or, like, hey, like, can I get that, or, like, have you seen have you seen we any spike
1: communicate that to our especially to our wine club members yeah. So we put it in our newsletter that goes out to all of our followers and we have put out our own press release for it and i think it's nice to have that michigan wine competition back we had one for so many years mm-hmm. and we've tried different formats the last few times and hopefully the michigan wine collaborative has found one that works for them that we can still highlight michigan wines and I'll continue to to move forward with it and it would be nice, you know, to have I d I don't know if we need necessarily an award ceremony, but the old format where we had a, a a walk around that the consumers could purchase tickets and we like, taste all of the wines from the wine competition in one yeah. area. That's such a unique event that the state can hold, uh, to highlight all Michigan wines, not just, you know, everybody goes wine tasting and you winery half the winery to winery to winery, winery, but to be able to host an event that is supported by the Michigan Wine Collaborative that mm-hmm. you can taste all of the wine submitter, all the winners, whether it's, you know, everybody that got a medal or I can't remember how they used to do it back in the day, but uh, it was such a fun event. So I'm hoping that we can push towards that in the future and be able to get together as an industry. And uh, like I said before, everybody supports each other so much in so many different ways. And um, hopefully we can get back to that.
0: So. Yeah, it's, uh, I-, I think this is something that I, I do hope sticks as well. Um, I said in another, like, article with the Michigan Wine Collaborative, like, it really does take a village, like, it does take, the, like, the support of the whole industry, like, like, if we continue to support each other, the, the better our wines are going to be showcased to buyers, to, you know, the psalms of the world, to the consumer in general, uh, so it, it, it takes all of us to um, show that, hey, we are making some really serious wines and if you don't want to be serious, we have some wines that are for that, too. So um, we do have a little bit of everything. Um, you touched on uh, Harvest before we started the uh, actual podcast, um, but you're kind of in the midst of everything now. And this is year 22. Uh, <laughs> give me one word to describe Harvest.
1: Organized chaos. We've <laughs> got two words, sorry. <laughs> that's all right
0: that's right we'll take it we'll take it I um again like the harvest I worked uh in California it it was just amazing to see how something would happen and you just adjust to whatever it was like obviously the the grapes still have to be processed whether something breaks or whether somebody doesn't show up (laughs) like things have to get done so uh I totally get it I totally a, lot of,
1: a lot of, a lot of adaption, roll with the punches, yep. changes
0: on the pie. <laughs> <but> <laughs> I love it. Um, well, honestly, thank you so much. Uh, we do have one last wine. I just want you to briefly just give us an insight of the non-vintage, mm-hmm. uh, Solera cream sherry, because there's not really a lot of people doing sherry, let alone <laughs> here in the state of Michigan. I honestly, this might be the first one that I've yeah, ever seen. So-
1: Solera Cream Sherry uh, is the most awarded wine in Michigan, but Mm. the Solera has been around since 1973. That's when we started our Solera system at the winery. So I'm the third winemaker that the torch has been passed to to continue um, the tradition of how we make sherry. And... Uh, we do it just like they do um, in Spain, and we've been making it that way for over 40 years, uh, gosh, 50 years this year. Um, so solar, 50 years ago, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> we started a solar system. Um, but it's an absolute classic. Again, we make it the same way year after year. Uh, so there's still some wine back in 1973 that's part of that system because that's we don't awesome. fully rack yep. and everything, and it's a three-tier system. And being a cream cherry, is sweeter in style, um, but it's a beautiful wine for desserts. I um, oftentimes will do a lot of cooking with it. Um, if you like chicken marsala, it's a great, great wine to use for chicken marsala. Um, but James Robinson, uh, who most wine people know that mm-hmm. they the thing with wine critics said um it's the best series that she's ever had outside of spain and she said that several years ago so we like to hang our hat on that yeah hey,
0: that's awesome and
1: we'll you making it so <laughs>
0: jancis is the real deal <laughs> yeah so if yeah, she right. says she likes it and that's <laughs> legit um well thank you so much nancy like i said i don't want to keep you too late i know you got to get back to business tomorrow morning um but Looking ahead, are there any exciting events or wines our listeners should be looking out for, especially with this upcoming harvest underway? Um, And uh, lastly, I guess, what can people expect um, if they make a trip to one of the six St. Julian tasting rooms?
1: Six. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Yeah, harvest is in full swing. We always have something new and different up our sleeve, whether it's a new winemaking technique, a new vessel, a new... Um, blend a new style Uh, we're always constantly experimenting um, out in the vineyard as well as in the winery Um, we have a humongous wine club we have over 18,000 members that we create 15 to 18 new wines every single quarter for them so uh, we definitely have new and different things always coming Um, we're a distillery as well we're Michigan's oldest craft distillery so if you're into bourbons I know this is wine thread, but if you're into bourbon, we're now making 100% Michigan, growing Michigan-made bourbon at St. Julian, as well as other spirits that we've made for many, many years, Um, and gosh, if you come to the winery, um, all of our tasting rooms kind of have the same vibe that when you walk in the door, you're going to know that you're at a St. Julian tasting Mm -hmm. room, but each one has their own personality and our staff members love to make new cocktails and make new creations. And uh, they have different tasting menus at each location. So you'll be at St. Julian and there'll be the same wines there, but you'll have a different experience in each one that you walk into. So we recommend coming and seeing traveling the state and visiting us at each
0: one. I love it. And again, this is uh St. Julian winery. This is Nancy actually the vice President of winemaking at St. Julian. She is in her 22nd harvest this year. If you happen to be in the tasting room or you happen to be in Paw wherever, if you see her, just give her a big salute because they are doing some great things over at St. Julian. Thank you again for hopping on Music in the Bottle podcast. Thank you so much for sharing these wines. Thank you to the Michigan Wine Collaborative and Emily for getting us squared away with this. Um, yeah, this is Music Thank in the you Bottle guys. podcast.
1: Emily and Gina are the best at the Michigan Wine Collaborative, so we yes, love them. Yes, so shout thank out Gina, too. Ha- I love talking about wine, so thank you for having us on your podcast. Yes,
0: thank you. <laughs>